obsessed with, with this, this notion of our best life. Have you ever seen that? If you're on social media, it's out there a lot. You know, I'm living my best life. If you're looking at advertisements or billboards or magazines, there's always this, this, this jump about, I'm living my best life. For, where I see it on social media, and I'm, I'm part of it, and it annoys me, it's, you're, you've gone out to eat, and you've got this beautiful meal in front of you. It's been placed in front of you. And before you even put your fork in it, some of us take a picture of it. And then you show other people. It's like, I'm in my best life. I'm about to have my best meal. You know, this is incredible. My world that I'm in, you should be a part. And some of us were, were like, um, so... The, the family picture thing is really big right now and everyone dresses the same and we, do, we go to a place or we, uh, we get that one picture where actually everyone's looking at the camera at the same time, everyone's smiling at the same time. You throw out 122 other pictures, but that one picture goes out there because here we are. We are living our best life. Isn't, don't we look great, isn't it? Now, it's not, it, I, I don't mean to make it that bad, but I, I mean, think about, you know, You've all seen this one. Um, um, you see these tanned legs, and you see these painted toes, and you see the ocean, and it's like, this is so awesome. And, and you know that person's really living their best life if they got the cabana boy behind them taking the picture, you know, of them right before the ocean. It's like, here I am. It's, it's amazing. I'm living my best life. Do you know that there's actually an industry um, fanning that flame as well. For $49.99, you can send them the pictures, all the pictures you want of your family. And they will take the pictures of your family and superimpose them in some of the world's greatest locations. And here we are, living our best life. Isn't it great? Well, this idea, it's kind of taking on a little bit more, but in the series that we want to talk about um, uh, and deal with is we've been looking at different carrots that we're chasing, that we're in pursuit of. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're, we're doing that, but the culture kind of just keeps nudging us along. It's like, I never took a picture of my food in my life until I got on social media. And now, for some reason, that's something I'm supposed to do. Uh, we, we, um, we've learned as we've gone through this chasing carrots uh, motif, um, that, that anything that we're chasing more vigorously than we're chasing after God is idolatry. It's idolatry. And we've got to kind of shake ourselves from that to, to really understand it. So today, with that in mind, we're going to talk about one final carrot that so many of us just kind of chase by nature. Um, and, and for some of us, we've been chasing it all of our lives. It's this endless pursuit of comfort. A key passage that we're going to use uh, to, to stare at, it's a powerful passage, it's a challenging passage. It's a passage in a little tiny epistle called 1 John towards the end of the Bible. Um, John, who's, I mean, he was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He, I mean, he was one of the three. I mean, he was there when Jesus was transfigured. He was on the inside. 
And, and John is writing um, post-resurrection. He's writing to things that he's beginning to see, false teaching in the world, and particularly some destructive lifestyles amongst the Christians. And so he writes some pretty challenging words. And in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 15, he says these powerful words. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, we're going to hang on to this. We're going to try to unpack this for a moment. Um, this little tiny book of 1 John, this phrase, the world, John uses it 17 times in this little short, tiny epistle. 17 different times. And so to try to understand what the phrase the world means here, it's important that we understand what he's not referring to. He's, he's not referring to that people shouldn't love, love um, people in the world. No, I mean, we're commanded to even love our enemies, right? He, he's not referring to, he's not saying that we shouldn't enjoy the gifts that this world offers. I mean, if it's from God, every gift is a good and perfect gift, right? He's, he's not saying that we shouldn't love creation. I mean, it's, it's his. It, he, it's his creation. And, 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 and all of creation testifies to the glory of God. So he, he's not referring to that. The Greek word here um, uh, for this phrase, uh, the world, contextually, actually better is, is better described as don't love the cultural system of this world. Don't, don't love the spirit of this world. And, and, and if you do, that's what we are not here to love. Um, so what is the, the cultural system of the world? Um, really, it's, um, it's, it's building yourself a life that doesn't need God. It's building a life often of comfort, building things that, that you can have more than enough to ensure that everything's going to be okay, that you can do all this on your own, that, 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 that God ultimately becomes unnecessary because you have got it all figured out. You have built for yourself all the comfort that you need, and you've got it all covered. And so he's saying here, when that is your pursuit, then the love of the Father is not in you. So let's think about this for a second. Um, we'll be real honest with ourselves. As you're pursuing your best life, um, when we think of, if you just sit back and you think of, what's, what's my most desired life? What does it look like? The reality is, is that for probably every one of us, it's, it's more often described by ease than it is by struggle. If you're honest with yourself. In other words, that life unchecked finds us kind of drifting towards lazy inactivity. Now, maybe you want to push back and challenge me on that. I'll just throw out just a couple examples. Guys, guys, when, um, 
when you were like, well, some of us are old enough to use the word courting um, a young lady, when you were chasing after a young lady, um, you, some of you guys actually wrote poetry. <laughs> some of you guys did. You wrote poetry. You won't admit to that now, but some of you guys, some of us, we actually knew what a florist was. And then you got married, and years have gone by, and you don't even have, you didn't, you, florist, what's that? I, I have no idea. And, and you got to drift towards the lazy side of things, right? Um, now some of you guys are on top of it. You're impressive. I applaud you. Uh, but still, guys, I mean, how, how, much, how much effort would it take to maybe fix dinner and go walk a couple steps and sit at the dining room table with your wife and eat it instead of going and sit in front of the TV and eating dinner? I mean, that's what this drifting towards lazy ease looks like for us. Now, I struggle with this all week long. Do I, do I, do I, do I chastise the ladies here? We talk about ease and whatever. Hey, ladies, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get in trouble right now, but here we go. Ladies, there was a day when, you know, when maybe you wanted the guys to look at you or whatever, that there was this thing that you did. You, you shaved your legs every day. <laughs> every day you made sure you shaved your legs. And then something happened. You got dressed up every day. It was really important to you. And then something happened. You started to drift, and, and you started to shave your legs maybe once every three days, or I don't know, once a week. I don't know. I, I really don't care to know. But, but, but and you're getting dressed up thing. You're, you're dressing up kind of moved to, I'm going to wear my best sweatpants or pajamas. <laughs> My best pajamas out to the grocery store. I'm, I see you ladies, okay? So, all right, I'll stop with that. But the reality is we are all bent to, to, to fall in this direction. Lazy, comfort, ease of life, that that's really what the best life looks like. But Scripture reminds us that this cultural form of cash, this this is, what, this is what counts in the world today, that that's really counterfeit. And so I want to talk for just a few seconds about chasing this counterfeit comfort that the culture just impacts us with. You know, the idea of counterfeits is something designed to be a close copy, right? We think of this comfort that, that the world throws in at us. It, it's a substitute for something else that has value. But the counterfeit itself has no value. And that's what we need to be reminded of today. And, and the first element of that that I think that comes out of this chasing after comfort is that it reveals spiritual emptiness. It reveals spiritual emptiness. There's a little outline on the back of your bulletin if you want to keep track. You know, is it possible that I'm chasing after something out there? That by doing that, it, it, re, it, 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 it reminds us, it proves to us that maybe there's an emptiness in here. There's something missing. So John writes, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father's not in him. Now I'm not saying 
don't love your home, don't love your car, don't love your vacation. Otherwise, you know, the love of God's not in you. That is not what I'm saying here. Pay, pay close attention. What I'm saying is that if we're pursuing the cultural system of this world, that I can get it all figured out on my own, I can build my comfort in, within my strength, then the love of the Father hasn't penetrated deeply enough into your life. I like the mindset that, that God's love isn't propelling you forward. I mean, kind of your own stash, your own comfort's what you think's propelling. But, but, but John's talking about that God's love ought to propel you forward. I mean, all of 1 John, it's not a long book, but it's talking constantly about the love of God. Are you thinking about the love of God toward poor people, toward the hurting, toward the lost, towards the weak, towards the forgotten, he continues. He says, be faithful and be sacrificial. So I want to ask you this morning, what would your life look like if the Father's love penetrated deeply in your soul? I like the way Paul says it. It's always been one of my favorites. I always remind you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is one of my favorite chapters. Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 2 Corinthians 5, chapter, or chapter, verse 14 and 15. His love compels us. I like the way pastor and author John Piper says it. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So my prayer for you on this point particularly is that God's love will just sink a little deeper into your soul today. And, and the second point that, that I think is this counterfeit is that it, this, this cu cultural comfort that bombards us, it also eliminates our need for faith. It eliminates our need for faith. Um, if you've built a life where you feel like you've got all the bases covered, you've got it figured out, then why would you need God? Hebrews chapter 11 is one remarkable chapter. Some of you are not familiar with it. Go spend some time there. It's, it's this really cool... Um, I heard it described this week as kind of a storyboard of the Bible, this storyboard of faith, where the writer of Hebrews continues to remind us of all through the Bible of these human stories that happened by faith. By faith, Noah was convinced that there's going to be a flood, so he builds an ark, and, and, and Noah hadn't even seen rain. <laughs> by faith, Abraham is, is called to leave all that he knew by faith and goes to the, a, a chase after a promised land that God had given. Sarah, by faith, believed that in her old age, God would bless her with a child. 
that Joseph on his deathbed by faith was able to describe that, that, that the Israelites would be released from this Egyptian bondage of slavery. By faith, Moses, with this speech impediment, would go face to face with the most powerful person in the world, the Pharaoh, and see that the Israelites were delivered from bondage and slavery by faith. And there's a whole lot more in, Roman, in Hebrews 8, 11. None of these things were easy. None of these people lived in comfort, but every one of them required faith in God to show up. For God to come and do the impossible by faith. And verse 6 in Hebrews 11 reminds us, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So when we think about this world and, and we think about the system of the world where we're being challenged, being encouraged to build a life that makes God unnecessary. It's in direct contradiction to the human experience that is all throughout 66 books of the Bible. Completely the opposite. So I want to ask you, what parts of your life are you really helpless without God intervening? I mean, you've you got stuff comfortable. You've got it kind of figured out. But where, where are you trusting God? Where only if he shows up, it's going to happen. Are you even dreaming big enough that God will show up and make it happen? I, you've heard it said. We mentioned it last week. I put it in on, on, on social media again this week, this quote about we, we just cannot pursue comfort and walk by faith. They don't go together. I want to encourage you today, be as honest as you can with yourself. Is there any part of the plan that you're on, the path that you're walking, that's superficial? That's man-made? If so, reevaluate. And, and be walking where God is calling you to walk, where He is making the way for you to walk. So if that's counterfeit, if that's what the counterfeit culture is telling us, then, then what's real? What's authentic? I want to take the remainder of our time today to talk about two things. Um, I, I want to talk about first just in general, this embracing the authentic, all right? Learning to spot a counterfeit and learning to see the counterfeit superficial path you might have been on in your life. How do you do it? Well, if you're a cashier or an FBI agent, you don't spot the counterfeits by studying and looking at counterfeit bills. How do you do it? You study the real thing. You know the real thing. You, you see it constantly. And that's all you know is the real thing. And so when a counterfeit comes along, it's like, aha, that's fake. 
And that's what's happening in our world is we're beginning to trust this counterfeit culture. We want to talk now about what the real thing looks like. I mean, why would you chase a counterfeit? Why would you chase unattainable comfort when you can embrace authentic comfort? Pastor Chris Beal says this, if our paradigm is off and our expectations are misplaced, we have to realize that the love of the system of this world is leading us down a dangerous and destructive path. We have to align our expectations of life with Scripture. And when we do, we will discover radically life-changing truth. So let's dig into one of those. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, um, we read these words. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, Let's stop right there. For just as we share in the sufferings of Christ. Oh, wait, I didn't sign up for that. I, 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 I'm on Jesus' side, so I don't suffer at all. Well, that's not the way it is. We join with him in this suffering, but there's purpose in this. So just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Christ is the focus. So when God's word is the source of how we define how things should look, there are two things I want to share with you before we close. And these are the two things I want I want to encourage you to just carry with you through the week and allow it to uncover and reveal some things in your life. Two things that we need to embrace. The first is this, that we embrace divine discomfort. We embrace divine discomfort. What? Come on. That you welcome struggle. You welcome pain. You welcome discomfort in your life. Well, I didn't come here for that this morning, Pastor. Well, maybe the place of your greatest growth. Let's think of it this way. Comfort food. Frankly, I had never really heard the phrase comfort food until uh, um, one of of our children married an almost southerner close to the Mason-Dixon line and and they, he kind of introduced the phrase comfort food to us. I hadn't been aware of it, but now I am, and I realize that comfort food, it's like fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and gravy, right? That's comfort food. What else is comfort food? It's a heart attack, right? <laughs> it's a heart attack food. So discomfort, well, it could be kale, but we're not going to go there. Um, discomfort would be exercise. It would be doing crunches. It would be doing planks. It would be doing lifting. It, it, that would be the discomfort. So, so think about this. Isn't it interesting that pain produces what we want and comfort destroys us from the inside out? 
pain produces what we want in our life, but it's this comfort stuff that can just eat away at us from the inside out. James chapter 1, you've heard this before, many of us. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Time for TED transparency here. I hated taking tests, probably still do if you were to spring a test on me. Don't like them. But that's not really what is being talked about here. The Greek word for this testing here, that Greek word is dokiminion, dokiminion. And what that means is it's, it's the same word that's used to describe what a silversmith does to test silver. Under heat, a, a silversmith is repeatedly removing the dross or the impurities off of that silver, right? And he continues to do that until what? Until he can see his clear reflection in the silver. That's exactly what your heavenly father is longing to do in your life. Under stress, under heat, under the intensity of your world and your life, as you're looking to him, he is looking to, to remove those impurities so that he can ultimately see his reflection in your life. If you work backwards, for those of you who have trusted Jesus, if you work backwards in your life and you, and you begin to discover those areas of pain and challenge and difficulty, the, you'll, you remember and you'll be able to see how those hard things, they were the places where it began to produce the best things in your life. You lost your job and you felt useless. You, you were paralyzed by a diagnosis. You, your, your marriage was one that had you feeling completely empty and alone. You're, the addiction around you created this deep, dark despair. And that was the obstacle that, that could be the opportunity where God could show up and he can show off in your life. And you've probably heard it said that that would be maybe the setback that could become your divine setup. You've heard it said hundreds of times that your misery is going to become your ministry. That maybe it's your pain is what will productively produce a depth of character in your life. So folks, embrace divine discomfort. Embrace those places where God is walking with you and it's challenging but you will grow through it. I've had opportunity in my nearly 60 years to just experience so many incredible things, first and foremost, family. A um, little bit of travel. Some just profound experiences that I'll never forget. Some awards here and there. But frankly, the most valuable things that are in my life 
are the result of God's presence in the midst of some of the darkest times of my life. That's what I'll always carry. Romans 5 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, embrace divine discomfort. Secondly, secondly this morning, embrace that this this today, this isn't your best life. This isn't your best life. That was never God's plan for this to be your best life. He has so much more for you when you pl place your trust in him. Romans 8, another Hallmark chapter says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all of creation is waiting eagerly for that day when God will reveal who his children really are. You see, God has intended his best life for you. And it's not here, and it's certainly not now. Your soul was made to long for things eternal. The Bible says that, that, that God has put um, eternity into your heart, that we're to be longing for the things of heaven. Yet many of us spend our time trying to build and fill our life with the temporary. Many of us are just trying to fulfill, fulfill an eternal longing with simply a temporary comfort. And you know what that leads to? An empty life trying to fill our lives with everything but God. And when you do, this life will just always fail you. Living life, trying to fill this eternal um, hole in our life, this void in our life that only God can fill, we're trying to fill it with earthly, temporary stuff, and it will always, always fall short. Jesus himself said it. He said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. He said, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Could he not be any more clear? So what do you do? What do you do? You've, you've experienced this, you've heard this many times. What do you do? The best example I can give is instead of holding on to all that you're holding on to, trying to make your life comfortable, that you start letting go of it. Find those things one at a time that you can begin to let go of. And when you do, do it not with your, your hands down, but that you turn your palms up and allow the Heavenly Father, to begin to fill your life with the things that He wants you to fill your life with. In reality, there's, 
There are no other times in my ministry um, like funerals. Um, funerals become benchmarks. They become guideposts. When, when in funerals are, are, are delivered within the context of faith, they can become beacons that will show others the way to Jesus amidst the dark despair of death. Sweet, beautiful, baby Brindley Hubrights was one of those moments. It's nearly four years ago now. Many of you knew baby Brindley, sweet spirit, perfect child. But as we were here, and this place was packed, um, I had this strange, wonderful peace and joy in that horrible environment of, of pain and sadness and brokenness. Because being in this place where we were so sad and hurting, she was anything but. Her best life didn't come to an early end. Her best life was just beginning. And that's what Scripture means. When it, when it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. So I want to encourage you this morning to stop chasing the empty counterfeit comfort that the world is encouraging you to be in. Stop chasing the carrot of comfort that is so surrounding us. Instead, I want to dare you to embrace the divine discomfort. To, to embrace it and, and allow it to bring true character and hope to your world. Embrace the God of all comfort. Embrace God's comfort that he offers you, that you would embrace him as your only source of comfort. I encourage you to just bow your head for a moment while I reflect on that. And maybe as your heads are bowed, you might want to just open your palms upward. There may be some specific things as you do that that you, would, that you would let go of. Allow God to reveal to you this morning any area of counterfeit comfort that has seeped into your life. And talk to him right now for a moment and just say, Lord, I release it. Be encouraged this week to continue to examine the parts of your life that are superficial, that you're only counting on the things that you have got in control, the things that you have kind of built for your little comfortable nest. And allow him to expose that to you and give you the opportunity to release it to his care to fall into a place where you don't have to fear discomfort 
but he is the author. He promises to go with you. While your heads are bowed, I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and, and something has been revealed to you and you, you want to begin to move through the, today, starting today and this week a way of just releasing whatever that is, if there's something to release, would you just wave your hand real quick while no one else is looking? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a comment. It's a way to, to confirm and affirm what God is doing, the Spirit's doing in your life. Anyone else, there's things that you're releasing right now. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, you're working. Thank you, Spirit, for opening our eyes to the ways that comfort has taken us over. Lord, I, I just offer each of these people and everyone to you and your perfect will that you would guide us you would reveal to us the things that we're walking superficially after. That we would place our trust in you, the God of all comfort. Certainly one of those which is so significant in our world is the way we handle our money and our stuff. So now we have an opportunity to give back to you. Continue to teach us, Lord, what it is that you, how you want us to live is relating to the stuff that you've entrusted to us financially. The things that fill our closets and our basements and our attics. Lord, we offer it to you. We do so symbolically and realistically through an offering that we are about to give. Some of us will give a connection card for the very first time. Others will give things that we can pray about. Others will give places that we can begin to take steps of faith in the next steps of our life. But Lord, take and receive these gifts that they would bring you honor and blessing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So this uh, song that we're going to sing together gives us an opportunity to reflect upon...